Welcome to today's Word of Mom Radio here on the Word of Mom Media Network. I'm your host, Dory DiCarlo, and you know we are here week after week, show after show, breaking those myths that mompreneurs and businesswomen, especially those of us building our businesses from home, that we're just dabbling in between bake sales and getting our nails done. We're not. We are smart, we are savvy, and we are sharing the wisdom of women in business and in life. And I'm looking forward to bringing today's guest in. Rita Bezola is a Los Angeles-based entrepreneur and mother of two striving to contribute to the well-being of the next generation. In 2020, she founded Piper and Enza. Piper and Enza is a health and happiness company here to support kids and their families through life's health and wellness experiences and move them from a place of anxiety to one of confidence. And I absolutely love that mission. So with that being said, Rita, welcome to Word of Mom Radio. Thank you so much for having me, Dory. It's my pleasure. So I would love for you to take us on your journey that led you to creating your own company in 2020. The journey started probably way before 2020. I was in the family business. I worked, my, my family owned furniture manufacturing. Um, my parents ended up retiring. So we ended up closing that chapter or, of our lives. And I had two beautiful girls. I was in the thick of it, taking care of them. And once they got a little older, they're starting to go to school. I wanted to do something, but I never found that one thing that I felt was worth the sacrifices that I may have to make by staying away from my kids. I, I thought about going back to the furniture industry because that was what um, my background was in, but needing to farm out, you know, making dinner or picking kids up and, and bathing them to a nanny to sell another piece of furniture just didn't sit well with me. Like it wasn't, that wasn't what I wanted to do. That's not, so I was, I was searching. I was searching what I wanted to do. And then come COVID. So everything was shut down. Um, we were at home. And now I have kids 24-7. So at that point, not having a job seemed like a blessing because now at least I can be there for them and teach them and entertain them and play with them. And then one day it dawned on me. It dawned on me that the isolation that all of us, majority of us, are complaining about is actually the reality for many families and children who are going through long-term treatments, immunocompromised. They do this without an end in sight. They, you know, that's actually, it, it was so hard for me to comprehend. I'm like, well, how did they do it? So I dug deeper and I started doing research and, you know, lay there late at night just thinking about this and, and, And then there is this thing that I started thinking, you know what, all of these things, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's somebody getting sick, um, we can't help it. This is what we call the inevitable. This is those bumps and bruises. This is that 
common human experience that every single one of us have to go through, whether you like it or not. And back in my marathon running days decades ago, I remember there was a saying and stuck with me. Pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. So how do we shift that narrative? When we were deep in the tunnel, everybody around you is focused on the tunnel, but nobody is focusing on the light and the end of the tunnel. So for me, my coping during COVID was I have all this time with my kids. We can do things that siblings, the sisters can spend so much time together that they otherwise won't. And that helped me. So then that's when the light bulb went on. It's like, how can I help families out there with children, without children, whoever they are, human people, shift their perspective when they're going through something like this? something that otherwise you feel helpless, that you feel hopeless and you don't know what to do. Um, and sometimes I feel like, you know, it, it, all, it, all, all it is is that switch. And I want to give people that switch and the tools to kind of turn on that switch. So that's how Piper and Enzo was born. That is so awesome. So for you, what do you do? How do you work with Piper and Enza to kind of shift that narrative for people? Well, we think about it, you know, I, we kind of, I started to go out. I, I, we have a pod in my backyard because of the pandemic. And so I was very lucky um, to have a really, really cool, good early childhood educator in my backyard on call. Basically, I call him the Caesar Milan of children. He knows exactly how the little brain works, you know, and, and I feel like for any parents with young children, it is really hard because we, we are constantly projecting our worldview onto these two, three-year-old without realizing that, you know what, their brain works completely differently than ours. They're not the same. It's not the same brain. And I feel like having him there and talking to him, you know, obviously when we have these questions, well, you know, this happened, what do we do? Or this experience is about to come on. How do we help them? How do we guide them? How do we prepare them? He had all these fantastic resources and tools and stories and books that us parents are able to use. And somehow that can get through kids. That's the fascinating part of it. I wish every kid was born with a manual like that. So no parent will ever kind of scratch their head and scream in their bathroom, not knowing what to do. So I reached out to, to him. Um, he's uh, Todd Hioki. I can read his bio on our website. He's a great early childhood educator here, very well known in our community. I reached out to life specialists. I found out about the profession of child life specialists um, upon the starting of Piper and 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 really just kind of reaching out to my community and finding these experts, asking them questions, asking well, what happens when a kid has a cold? How do we help them cope through with it? So initially what we did, we decided to do is that we will identify these, what we call the inevitable. Everybody's going to get a runny nose. Everybody's going to have a cough. Everybody at some point in their life will have to go to a dentist. They will likely get a shot. Medication. We're going to identify each of these um, experiences. And what we're going to do is tell stories about, around those experiences because that's how children learn. They learn through listening to stories. They learn through their peers. They learn through play. That's how they best learn. So what we're doing is basically collectively getting all of these experts together, touching upon this one single subject 
deliver the information that we're able to curate into actionable steps with the right tools so the parents can feel empowered. They know what to do. And the children are able to absorb it, like how the parents are giving them these information. One thing that really was an eye-opener for me was what Todd told me. He's, he basically said, based on the scientific research, a child under two has a very hard time connecting a story from a book to or on TV to an experience, meaning I could be talking about, for a lack of, you know, comes from the head, Peppa Pig, for instance, goes to the doctor, or, uh, you know, or Mickey Mouse goes to the doctor. Before that kid goes to the doctor, they don't make that connection. You need something called a transitional object to help them, their brain, bridge that world in the book with the world that they're in. I didn't know this. So knowing that, that's what we aim to do with the books. will come with a transitional project. It will allow the parents to tell those stories, allow the children to link the two experiences together so they are prepared. So when they do go to the doctors, they're already primed and they're prepared and they know exactly what's going to happen. Knowing what to happen will reduce the anxiety, it will reduce the fear, and hopefully, you know, both parents and the child will be will feel more regulated and more empowered as they go through these events. Do you think that parents past healthcare experiences kind of influence how they bring their children into the healthcare field? I think so, absolutely. I know it's interesting because how we grow up, how I grew up, uh, I feel like many of us grew up in that, that mask it, don't cry, you're brave, you got this, well, not you got this, like just don't cry and don't fuss, you're fine type of, of an era. It doesn't matter where you are. I grew up in Taiwan all the way in Asia, and I have talked to many other parents here who, you know, either grew up from an immigrant family or, you know, Americans or Caucasians who have been here for generations. It's Everybody kind of have that same same experience. Just suck it out. You're going to be fine. Um, there is no coping strategies. It's just kind of like out of out of sight, out of mind, we're done, you move on. And what that has caused, and this is actually um, based on a, a couple of articles that were written back just this last year by both an Oxford and a Harvard physician, fear of needles alone affect approximately two out of three children today and almost 25% of the adults, 25% of the adults. One in four adults have extreme fear of needles. That is a huge number. And that leads to about 16% of the people in the U.S. Um, to skip vaccination. So we're talking about long-term health consequences. So I wouldn't be surprised that, you know, if I don't like needles personally, I, I will have severe anxiety watching my kid getting poked. Again, you know, probably more study needs to be done there. Uh, and I think that... We are always projecting how we're raised. I think now, though, there's so much more information with your social media or websites. There's definitely more of these issues bubbling up, and we're kind of confronting it. Um, but I think, I mean, I catch myself, you know, sounding like my mother um, half of the time and, and, and kind of like, well, this is what my mom used to do, and, and I kind of have to, like, pull myself back. So. Yeah, I, I do think that how we were raised definitely play a role on how we're raising our children. And then, you know, it's just going to get passed on generation to generation. 
You know, I was lucky because my mom was always calm. And I remember her as, you know, we were adults. Now I had my own kids. And I remember her telling me, she said, inside my heart would be pounding. And I did the same thing. My kids, no matter what was going on, and it was so funny, my youngest, my daughter, because we lived in an old building, had to get a blood taken to make sure she didn't have lead. She was the only one never, ever, ever even cried when she got a vaccine. My sons would kind of fuss a little teeny bit. I'd give them hugs and kisses. Mm -hmm. They'd be fine. But here's the nurse, ties the tourniquet, and I'm explaining to her, okay, now you got to squeeze this, and the nurse is going to put this needle in your arm to take the blood. And she puts the needle in, and she goes, Mommy, I really don't like needles. And I was like, you know, I don't really know anybody that likes needles at all. Uh, You know, me either. And the nurse is just her jaws hanging open. She's like, the doctor is never going to believe I just took blood from this baby. You know, Mm -hmm. and but the reality is your kids are going to react the way you react. So if you can, I know it doesn't matter if you are lying like a rug, stay (laughs) calm, you know, go cry afterwards. I have a huge fear of bugs. Huge. We'd be at the Liberty Science Museum with my kids. I let a Spanish beetle crawl on me. That was like three inches. (laughs) Fathers were on the other side of the room, and my kids were like, my mom's so cool. Yeah, they didn't see me in the bathroom with my shirt off, scrubbing my arm, crying, because I let this thing crawl on me. But I didn't want my kids. It was just three-inch bug. The reality is all I had to do is step on it. But it was my fears. I, you know, and it really was becoming a mom that helped me get through some of those fears that I had, the fear of bugs, spiders, stuff like that. So I kind of used them as my help to move forward. So how do we as parents kind of change our programming to help with our kids? And and that's it is so great that you say that. And this is something that we have been constantly talking about, you know, with, with, with child life specialists. Parents have to be able to stay regulated in order to regulate their children. A deregulated parent cannot regulate a child. So for me personally, it's knowing more, understanding more, and know that, you know what, I got this. I am empowered. I know exactly how this is going to go on. I know exactly how this is going to play out, and I know what to do. It's interesting from the early, you know, the early years, I think there are a lot of parents out there are afraid of the tantrums, right? We're all talking about the, the, the terrible twos and the teenagers and yada, yada. And, and when I had my firstborn, she was a nightmare. I mean, she will throw a 45-minute fit in her diapers on the ground because the carrots are not the right shape. I was out of my mind. And, you know, being a first-time mom, I didn't know what I was doing. I would be sitting on the ground grabbing, you know, calling my husband, I'm sorry, but you have to come back now. Like, I'm, you know, meanwhile, this is like a little, I don't know, like a 20-pound baby on the ground. She's harmless. It's just, but I was done. And then I met Todd at the preschool that we're in at a point, at at that point, and I went to one of his tantrum talks, and that was liberating. And I feel like I need to post this piece of article, whatever he put together, those, those PowerPoint slides to the world to have all of the parents out there right now struggling with tantrums. Basically, all he said was from a child's brain development, you were giving the child everything. They just got to cry, and then you give them something, right? That's how the baby, that's how you know babies is hungry. Baby needs a diaper change, whatever it may be. 
And then comes 18 months, two years, you start to say no. So he had this picture of uh, a building ready to, ready to get getting demoed. And then you just basically see the bricks tumbling down. He's like, that's what's happening to your kid's brain. They have to break down all of these blocks that they've built up the last 18 months and rebuild them again. Because now their worldview is shifting and this is healthy. So he always prefaced these meetings as I love tantrums. And most of the time, 90% of the parents will be sitting there. It's like, what is wrong with you? But when you start getting into like, you know, okay, so this is how the brain is working. They're, they're forming these great neurological pathways. They're, they're learning. And this is what they have to go through. All of a sudden, I am able, when, when the tantrum comes, I just hear Todd talking to me in my head, and I'm able to pull myself out of the situation. I'm able to stay calm, and I'm able to stay regulated, and I just sit there patiently wait for her to finish. And once she's finished, I give her a hug, everything is fine. That is so empowering. Knowledge is so empowering. Understanding how the children's brain works and how you can actually get information through them and communicate, that is the greatest tool that any parent could have. Um, you know, whether it's a healthy kid, whether it's a, a child that is going through some health issues, it just, it's been, it's been life-changing for our household. So Awesome. On that note, we're going to take a quick break, say thank you to our sponsors, and we'll be back in just a moment here on Word of Mom Radio. Now on Blu-ray, the new movie, Clifford the Big Red Dog, the perfect gift for Valentine's Day. When Clifford grows 10 feet tall overnight, he and his friends are chased across the city in his brand new movie adventure that critics are calling 100% fun for the entire family. Own Clifford the Big Red Dog on Blu-ray today and get supersized special features, including deleted scenes, movie-making magic, and much more, available at participating retailers, rated PG from Paramount Pictures. She is brave. She is strong. She is you. Because you're that woman who's got a product or a service that you're looking to promote. Or you're out there seeking to support other women in business to help women learn, network, and build the businesses of their dreams. Because when you win, we win. We all know a survivor. Some of our friends and family have made it through difficult times. Some of us don't make it. Losing a loved one to cancer, a car accident, or any other unfortunate event can be crippling and unavoidable. But one of the hardest subjects to talk about is suicide. Too often our youth decide that leaving this place is easier than facing the struggle forced upon them every day. More than one in four children go through some form of bullying or another. Most of us survive with scars. But for some, the inner demons created cannot be recognized or treated in time to ensure they make it through. Bullying in every form is very much avoidable. It starts with me, and it starts with you. This is Kelly Carius from No Such Thing as a Bully, reminding you to do your part when you see bullying happen. If you don't know what that is, call 403-447-4404 or go to nosuchthingasabully.com. Don't let the name fool you because stadiumbags.com has a line of clear bags that enable you to use your phone and your smart devices without removing them from your bag. Not only that, but the product is so good it'll stand up to the cleaning solvents that you need to use now 
to make sure that when you come home, you come home safely. So take a look at stadiumbags.com. You'll see why we're your clear choice, because safety, it's in the bag. And we're back here on Word of Mom Radio. We're talking with Rita Bazola. We are talking about Piper and Enza, how, as parents, health, wellness, and our child's brain. And I have to laugh when you were talking about your daughter's tantrum. My grandson is now three and a half. He was almost three. We had been outside all morning long, and it was now time to come in. And he did not want to come in. And so I brought him inside. He literally threw himself on my floor, flat out, took this deep breath, and just screamed, looking at the ceiling, at the top of his lungs, until all the air left his body. And then went to take another breath. And as he was taking the breath, I just went, (laughs) okay, are you finished? And he just went, okay, Mimi, I'm done. I was like, all right, come on, let's let's get something to play with. It was so funny. And his parents are like, well, how, you know, when we do that, he just yells louder. I was like, he's going to yell. Kids yell. Yeah. You know, what do mm-hmm. I do when he has a fit? I was like, let him finish having his fit when he's done having his fit. You know, because trust me, he's trying to push your button. If you foster into the fit, he's going to keep having a fit. If you let him know the fit doesn't really matter, then it doesn't really matter. It's not the easiest thing to do because no. as parents, you're just, you're tired too, especially at the end of the day when all of a sudden your toddler decides to throw the tantrum. Oh, yeah. You know, where sure. you're done, let's face it, the easiest thing in the world is to just give them whatever they want in the short term. In the long term, that is going to affect your whole life on the long term. You know, so that's why it's important to just go, all right, you know what, this is what, this is how their brain is. You know, it, they're, they're, they're little, they're little, you know. And that's, that's so important, right? So what based on what you're saying is that they're in, this is the time you're setting boundaries. You have to hold from your, you know, you have to hold firm your boundaries. And as they, if you think about like, this is kind of like how you mark like that, that plot, plotted land. Like this is where we're going to be building that on. You cannot expand it, nor should you shrink it. You hold the boundaries firm and you allow them to go through that process. And knowing the, the, you know, the, the physiological side of things, it really helps. It really helps you know, the parents understanding what the children is going through, what they need to do. Um, yeah, and, and have the patience and know, you know what, I just have to sit here. Like, put that butt, put the, put your ear pods in, you know, just let them finish. And then once they're done, they're done. And then you mom, and then they learn from those experiences. And then, you know, it's just going to get better and better. I still have challenges with my second one. She is a little over five now. So it's very, and that's, that's kind of the fun thing too, is that, as a second time parent, this second kid is completely different, you know, and they're not all the same. So a lot of the times, like just knowing more and kind of just, it, it really helps that this whole navigating parenthood thing a lot easier. So, you know, yeah. I remember one time my son, he was my, my first one and we were, I forget where we were, but he was having a fit. And I just looked at him because I, I know he thought because he was having a fit, if he was with daddy, daddy would have just thrown anything he wanted at him. And I just looked at him. I said, you see all these mommies and daddies? What do you think? They didn't have fits. They're not having fits. Their kids aren't having fits. So 
I've heard you yell louder on the playground. So unless you're really going to go for it, just be done. And, <laughs> you know, just like, all right, mom, you know, I, I just, I, you know, cause it, it was true. You know, it was the same thing if they fell, you know, we were outside playing and you know how a child is, they're going to fall. They get hurt. They're, they, they're scared. They're going to mm-hmm. see your reaction. So I would always, Oh my gosh, look at that. You broke the sidewalk, you know, and I'd show them the crack. If they stopped crying, then I knew that they weren't hurt. If they kept crying, I knew they were hurt, you know, mm-hmm. and then I had to see what was really hurting them. But again, your kids are going to react the way you react. And that's why I like what you are doing because you're helping to change the narrative around that health and wellness experience. So traditionally there have been certain resources available mm-hmm. for kids to understand their health and prepare themselves for things. And now how are you working with those? Well, traditionally, I feel like it's very scattered, right? Um, and, and there's actually, it's more really geared towards parents rather than children. Uh, for parents, you know, there is a lot of websites based on, you know, whether it's from hospitals, uh, a lot of the nonprofits, they're very scattered. A lot of the time they're very um, siloed on specific um, condition, uh, whether it's chronic or something acute, you know, like cancer. You obviously have your traditional pediatrician. You have holistic functional medicine. Um, you have some books. There's always books. They're everywhere, um, mostly geared towards adults. Uh, children's books are scattered. Actually, it was interesting. I'm out here in Pasadena. There is a very well-known independent bookstore, one of the few remaining in, in this <laughs> in this country. Um, and they have an entire second floor of children's books. And the section that's dedicated to health is about six inches wide, about four books in there. That was the end of it. There's obviously toys. You see some doctor sets here, surgery sets there, dentist sets. We see all that. We, you know, we, we have seen all of that. But I, and, and this is something that I have been, I've been talking to my parent and said, a toy is a toy. If you just throw the toy at the kid, it, it basically is clutter. That's all it is. There is nobody out there that is bringing in all of these little pieces of the puzzles together and presented in a way that is applicable for the family, for the parents and the children. Um, information for the parents to know what is going on in, in their child's, whether you know mental or physical health and what is gonna happen, what to expect, how to prepare for it, and how the children is viewing that experience or about to view that experience and what they can do with different tools to prepare it, to cope with it, to process it. That's what we're here to do. And so that's why we're not just working with pediatricians or just early childhood educators or just child life specialists or a child psychologist. We're bringing everybody to the table and we're going to treat the kid like it's a whole human being. So when you take everything into account and you have tools that addresses for all of these needs, emotional, physical, it becomes a very powerful thing for any parent to have in their parenting toolbox. And I feel like this is something that will pass down generations to generations. 
and probably will last well into adulthood. Learning how to manage pain, how to cope with it, how to process it is a, is a, is a lifelong, lifelong learning experience. You know, this translates into, I feel like this will translate to something later on. When you get fired from a job, how do you deal with that disappointment? How does that emotional pain um, compare to the physical pain that you went through when, we were, when you were a child? So I think that's what's going to make Piper and Anza different, is really treating the whole family, the child. And that's another thing that I really, I'm really passionate about, is that when the child gets sick, it's not just the child that gets sick. It's very, it's basically what we're going through right now in this COVID time. We're seeing the outcry from the parents of children who is under age of five. The parents need to be taken care of too. The caretaker needs to be taken care of. When somebody gets sick, the whole family is in it with them together. So how do we help this family? How do we help this community? go through that experience together and come on the other side and say, you know what, we did it, we got it, we know exactly what to do next time, we're fine. There's no trauma. So that's my goal. What a great way to end this conversation, Rita. What do you want to leave our listeners with? And please let them know how they can reach out to you. We are, our online shop is open. Our first book is called Running of the Noses. Uh, it's talk about the congestion, the icky feeling when when a kid has a cold or have allergies. It's really fun. It's great. The pre-sale is on. And we will probably have some book launch events um, planned come spring. Um, So visit our website. We we are constantly um, posting a lot of great resources from our um, in-house experts uh, at piperandenza.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at piperandenza. I believe that's our handle. All of Rita's links will be live on wordofmomradio.com. I want to thank you so much for sharing what you are doing because this is awesome. It really is. I like that you are treating the whole family because it's true. If your child gets sick, you're sick too. If the whole house is affected by it and, and how you react to it and how you, you know, just each different phase of a child as they're growing. Yeah. So, yes. thank you so much for having me, Dory. Thank oh, you. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. Thank you again, and for mm-hmm. all of you tuning in, thanks so much for being with us. We are we're going to close out with our fabulous theme song from Smith Sisters and the Sunday Drivers. So, till next time, this is Dory DiCarlo saying, "Go out and create a marvelous you." Bye for now. She is sure. She is sure. She is strong. She is strong. She is true.